Okay, Acts chapter 22. This is where we left off. It was like a cliffhanger, right? You're watching your old television programs or shows or whatever you call those things, and they leave you with like that cliffhanger to be continued next week, um, which doesn't really happen that much anymore because of like streaming, Netflix, and things like that. You can just binge watch a whole season. season. That takes all the fun out of it. It just takes all the fun out of it, right? It's like, no, you want anticipation, anticipation, right? Um, you want to know what's coming next. Some of you may have taken me up on my uh, offer to read ahead, which is really just no offer at all. I mean, just do it. I mean, that's like, I'm not going to, I can challenge you to do it, but you, you don't have to wait for me, all right, is what I'm saying. You can read the Bible all on your own. In fact, I would hope you're doing that, um, especially as we are uh, approaching the third month of this year, and life is crazy. And if I could encourage you to do one thing, I would be, it would be to read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. Just open it and just read it. Where do I start? I don't know. Start with the Gospel of John. That's always a good place to go. Um, don't feel like you have to catch up for all the days you've missed in your daily Bible reading. Don't worry about it. Just read your Bible. Read your Bible. Okay, um, it, it's such a privilege that we get to, we get a copy of this thing, you know, and, uh, and man, it, I don't know about you guys, but, uh, you know, a word spoken fitly, you know, at the right time can just make the heart glad, right? And it just is like, that's the word for us. Just open it up, start reading it, enjoy it, um, especially during these crazy days where you're like, man, that's, everybody's going nuts, and now our weather's going nuts, and all this good stuff, just open up the word and enjoy some, just some good stuff from Jesus, okay? Uh, so Acts 22 is where we'll be. We know that there was, uh, Paul made, made his way back to Jerusalem. People were letting him know, you can't go to Jerusalem, you're gonna get locked up. And he's like, yeah, I know. Um, Jesus already told me, I'm fine with it. So I'm gonna go to Jerusalem. Um, and he does, goes through a uh, purification ritual thing, even pays for haircuts for some other guys. That doesn't appease the crowds, right? Because they accuse him of bringing a Gentile into the inner court, which wasn't true. Um, but then they stirred up the mob. The mob went nuts, and they all attacked Paul, and they were trying to beat him to death until the police showed up. And when the police showed up, um, you know, everybody scattered, and they essentially rescued Paul, thinking he was an Egyptian assassin. Like, he's, he's part of this group of assassins that were causing trouble, and Turns out that's not the case. Paul speaks to this, um, I'm going to call him a police officer. I mean, you get what I'm saying, I think. But um, he's kind of in charge of things back then. He talks to him and convinces this guy. He's like, let me just address the crowd, right? And that's where we, that's where we left off in 21, where Paul begins to, he kind of motions to the crowd to calm, you know, to calm down. And then he speaks to them in Aramaic, which is really close to Hebrew, uh, it's a language that they're going to understand, but the, um, the Roman officer is probably not going to understand what Paul is saying here. We'll see that in a second. So verse 1 to 22, this is where it picks up. Paul addressing the crowd. Uh, I'm reading from the New English uh, translation. Is that right? Um, yeah, that's it. Okay, thank you. Um, I forget sometimes. New English one, because I, again, I'm just trying this one out. I like it. Um, Brothers and fathers, listen to my defense that I now make to you. When they heard uh, that he was addressing them in Aramaic, they became even quieter, right? So he's like, their thinking is, okay, he's speaking to us in our language. So they're going to listen in a little bit more intent. You understand that. If you're having a conversation with somebody 
and you um, are using language that's just not really familiar to them, like you come to somebody maybe who's younger and you're speaking King James lingo, and they're like, what are you talking about? Um, yeah, you, but if you can not, don't be phony, right? But if you can speak a common language, just that's understandable, people would usually give you more of their attention because they can understand what you're saying, okay? So here's Paul addressing these guys, where they're at, with their own tongue, Aramaic. Paul says, then Paul said, I'm sorry, verse three, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, uh, but brought up in this city, educated with strictness under Gamaliel. That's a known teacher back then. All these dudes knew who Gamaliel was. Everybody in this audience knew who this guy was, okay? So Paul's like, I'm a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, brought up in this city, educated with strictness under Gamaliel, according to the law of our ancestors, and was zealous for God just as you are today. I persecuted this quote-unquote way. That's what they would call Christians back then. They call them the way, right? Um, maybe an uh, indication of how they, you know, a lot of what they were sharing where Jesus was the way. And so now this group is the way, right? Paul's like, look, um, hey, just so you guys know, here's my background. I'm a Jew. Um, I have better education than any of you guys. And he could say that. He's talking to this crowd, and he's like, how many of you guys were educated better than me? None of you. I was brought up by Gamaliel. Top that. Like, this is what he could be saying. He's saying, let me tell you who you're messing with right now. Because you're all zealous. You're all very religious. Let me just tell you my background. I grew up in the best schools. Oh, I'm a Jew. I'm a Jew like no one, none other. I'm more of a Jew than you are, religiously, or I was in one sense. So he's just throwing it out there. He's like, let me just tell you who I am. This is Paul, and this is his testimony, okay? I was zealous for God, just as you are today. I persecuted this way, even to the point of death, Try, tying up both men and women, putting them in prison as both the high, priest, uh, the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify about me. He's like, go, go talk to your boss. Go talk to the high priest. Go talk to the council. They'll vouch for me. They know who I am because it wasn't that long ago. It really wasn't that long ago. So Paul's letting them know, this is who you just almost beat to death because of your zealousness. And he's like, and I can identify with you because I was just like you. I would have been part of the crowd. I would have beaten, been beating up that guy too. In fact, I kind of was. His name was Stephen, and we killed him. So he's letting these guys know, like, look, this is who I am. I understand where you're coming from. I know who you are. But this is where the story changes. Because Paul's not trying to appease the crowd. He's in no way trying to save his life. And this is an important part about testimonies. Paul is not trying to impress these people. He has no concerns with impressing them with like, okay, here's my past and all this stuff. He just is dropping some information on them just so that they understand who he is and all that good stuff. He's not glorifying his past. He's just letting them know this is who I am. Um, and his whole point of the testimony is to lead them to Jesus. Your 
whole point behind your testimony is to lead people to Jesus, not to praise you and not to be impressed with you or how messed up you were or how good you were before you got saved. The whole point of testimonies is to show how great God is, how great Jesus is, and that he can take, uh, and I know people who gave their life to the Lord from an early, early age and like were just really good the whole way through. And that impresses me more than anybody else's testimony because that's not my testimony, <laughs> you know, that's not it at all. But I admire that, but they don't get any credit. It's not their doing. It's the Lord. And the same for the individual who is, you know, clean and sober and just, man, the Lord just rescued them from the pit. And I'm like, no credit. It's all to the Lord. And it just magnifies how, how amazing Jesus is, where he can save good people and bad people. Well, technically, we're all bad people, right? But he can save us all. And so here's Paul. He's just like, here's my story. We've heard this testimony before. And he's just walking this, this whole crowd that just tried to murder him. And his whole goal and ambition is to tell all these people who just physically assaulted him, I just want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about Jesus. He could have played other cards in this scenario. Because the one he's about to drop on the, the, uh, the commanding officer is the I'm a citizen of Rome card. He could have easily played that card and said, go arrest all these people who just beat me. They just beat a Roman citizen. And Rome doesn't put up with that. He could have easily have turned the tables. He could have played that card, but he didn't. Because his goal was never vengeance. It was never vengeance. His goal for them was salvation. So here's where he gets into this point where he makes his transition. And this is a good structure for you to kind of, if you, if you don't know how to share your testimony, this is a perfect outline for you to use in sharing your testimony. Let people know who you are. Where were you born? What was your upbringing like? That's fine. What were, what were you known for before Jesus? Don't glorify it. You don't need to do that. But you can, you can tell people. You have every, tell them as much as you want to tell them. But that's the first part of your testimony. Then the next part of your testimony is when you met Jesus. And then there's a third part of your testimony. What has your life been like since meeting and surrendering your life to Jesus? who you were, how you met him, how's your life changed now. That's your outline for your testimony. Get really familiar with that. Know how to work that into your testimony, how to tell your story. And when you come across individuals, tell them your story. People love to hear stories. They love to hear, we love to hear stories. I could play a I Am Second testimony vi video on here and I know you would more than likely you'd be captivated by it because we just love to hear other people's stories because we can relate to that. You have a story. You already have one. It might not be on imsecond.com, doesn't matter. You have a story. Get comfortable and get familiar with sharing that story. Greg Laurie would say that you should be able to do that within one minute. You should be able to do that within like basically the, just the bare bones. Within one minute, you should be able to walk somebody through, this is who I was, this is how I met Jesus, and here's how my life has been different since then. Here's your homework. 
write out your testimony. I've told you this before, and I'll keep telling you this. Write it out. Write it out so much until you just, you have it, you're, you should be familiar with it anyways. It's your story, right? But write it out to where you just know it, man. It's just ingrained in your heart. And if the Lord opens up a door for you to share your testimony with somebody, you're like, oh, can I, can I just tell you? Can I just tell you? Man, this is who I was. I was born in this town, and I was raised kind of like this, and then, you know, then I was a knucklehead and did all this crazy stuff, and I don't even know how I'm alive today and all that stuff, but then I met Jesus, and I surrendered, and these things happened, and then this is how my life has been since then. You, you need to get that down. Get that down. Because what I would like one day is for you to share your story here, from here, to people listening. That should be the goal for everyone. It should be the goal for all of us is to be able to share that testimony, that story of how good God is and how awesome Jesus, Jesus was to step into your life at that right moment and rescue you from whatever it was. Okay? So there's your homework. Now you're going to be panicking and freaking out like, oh man, is he going to call on me? I will never just flat out call on you to come up here. Hey, come on up here and share your story. I would never do that because I understand public speaking is a horrible fear, right? I get that. Um, but what I would say is, you know, just have a heads up because I might just be praying that the Lord would create an opportunity for you to be able to do that. Okay? So um, just, it's just good for us as believers you, just to know your story. Know your story right? So you can share it. Here's Paul. He's sharing a story. Um, he, he goes on to say, you know, after, still within verse 5 there, uh, the, the, whole, the whole council and the, the high priest, he's like, they can testify uh, about me. For, he says, from them I also received letters to the, to the brothers in Damascus, and I was on my way to make arrest there and bring the prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. He's like, I was even going up as far as you can to the northern border of Israel, and I was going to arrest those Christians. I was going to cross the border, and I was going to go find Christians there, and I'm going to drag them back to Jerusalem, and we will squash this movement. He was zealous. There was none more zealous than the Apostle Paul, who at that point in time was known as Saul. There was none more passionate. There was none more on fire, quote-unquote, for God, quote-unquote, than Saul of Tarsus. Nobody. And it was that day, that moment, where he was going to have this incredible encounter with Jesus. He's going up to Damascus. He's on his way there. Verse 6, as I was en route near Damascus about noon, you know, so the sun's, you know, way up high in the sky there, very, a very bright light from heaven suddenly flashed around me. Then I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Me. Well, you would, you would think like, well, no, he's going after Christians. He's going after the church. And Jesus says, when you attack Christians, when you attack the church, you're attacking me. So please be careful how you speak about the church. Please be careful how you speak about Christians because when you attack them, you attack him. Other Christians, FYI, when we want to write all our books about how we hate the church, but we love Christ, that's garbage. That's nonsense. 
I understand hating phoniness within the church. I understand hating hypocrisy within the church. I get all that. But when we start hating Christians, please understand, you hate them, you hate him. It's very simple. And I don't know how we've lost this. But you see this growing in our day and age, especially with political stuff. Political stuff has really separated the body of Christ. It really has. And there is a danger behind this that you should, we should all be aware of. Because it has turned brothers and sisters into enemies. Simply because we don't agree with each other when it comes to donkeys and elephants. And I have, and you probably have experienced this too, dear friends who are no longer dear friends simply because you're standing on the wrong side. And, and I take a step back as a pastor and I say, how can this be? What, what are we doing? What are we doing? Are, are we turning... American politics into an idol? Yeah, we are. We are. And we need to stop it. Number one, it's sin. And sin always divides. Always divides. Who wants nothing more than the church to be divided? Satan. Be cautious. Be aware. You hate them. You hate him. You don't believe me? Read 1 John. Read 1 John. You cannot say that you love God and hate your brother or sister. You can't say it. I'm sorry, but you can't. Here's Jesus calling Paul out. He's like, oh, no, no, no. You're persecuting me. Well, I'm just, gonna, I'm just trying to lock up these Christians. He's like, no, those are, my, those are mine. Those are mine. And you're persecuting them, you're persecuting me. This is a good just another good heads up concerning just the world. And we have different dear brothers and sisters who are going through many, many great trials and tribulations, uh, even on our, the continent of Africa. I mean, they're losing their lives. Just a heads up to all our world leaders. You mess with them, you're messing with him. And we know the end. We studied through Revelation. He's coming back. And I wouldn't, want to, I wouldn't want to be a part of any of that. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, who are you, Lord? Because at this point in time, he's totally blind. Paul has been totally, completely blinded by this bright light. <clears throat> Not recognizing the voice, obviously. Who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. Again, just a double emphasis on who Paul was persecuting. He may have thought, I'm just doing this against these, these blasphemers, right? Because that was the viewpoint. These are the bad guys. They're blaspheming my God. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you're, you are, you're actually blaspheming me. You're the one who's wrong, Paul. You're persecuting me. <laughs> and Jesus, if you don't know this, Jesus is God. He says, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, the one whom you're persecuting. Paul says, those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand or comprehend the voice of the one who was speaking to me. So they could hear something. They saw the light. The flash happened. They saw Paul go down, and they could hear something, but they could not discern the words that were being said. 
as Paul is having a very intimate and one-on-one conversation, probably audibly, with Jesus himself. And these other guys who are around him are like, dude, what's going on? Like, I can hear something, but I can't. They're not hearing the voice. But Paul heard it very clearly. In fact, these two witnesses are probably, more than likely, were still around. And they could have asked these guys, hey, did that really happen? And they would have been like, yeah, it really happened. Really happened, like he said. We even had to lead him by hand to this other guy's house. And this is, this is where the story continues. So this is his meeting Jesus moment. Maybe you have something somewhat similar to this. You're just going about your normal daily life, and then boom, Jesus just shows up in your life. And he's like, hey, sinner, <laughs> you need to stop that. You need to come on over with me. You're like, um, okay, <laughs> who are you again? I'm Jesus. That was kind of like my story. And all of, I was all by myself in Colorado. I knew enough to know I was a sinner. I knew that. I had that kind of figured out. And then Jesus showed up in my room. He's like, hey, dude. So, um, you know, you don't know me at all. If you die, you're going to hell. I said, I don't want to go to hell. He's like, cool, then come with me. I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll go with you wherever you say. Literally, that's what I had said to Jesus in my little efficiency apartment in the mountains of Colorado. When I was 19 years old, I said, thank you for saying, I will go wherever you tell me to go. Thank you for saying, because I don't want to go to hell. I knew that that's where I was destined, quote unquote. I knew that that's where I was headed. I knew enough to know that, but I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to save myself. I didn't know how to rescue myself. I couldn't do that. I, I was opening up this Bible and I was trying to read stuff out of this thing and I'm like, I don't even understand what I'm reading. Like, I have no clue. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to look for. I, I don't, if it's up to me to find it, I can't find it. And Jesus showed up in my room and says, hey, just follow me. And I said, I'll, I'll go wherever you take me. I'll go wherever you tell me to go. I'm yours. And that was it. That was my Damascus Road experience. Maybe you have something similar to that. Maybe yours wasn't like so dramatic. Maybe yours was just a gradual over time kind of experience. I, I don't know, but you have your own story. And see, other people need to hear your story because they can relate to your story. Some people need to hear my story because they can relate to my story. As a kid who's just trying to find peace, there's no peace in my life. I have no peace at all. And they keep talking about peace and all this stuff. And I don't know what that means. And then I found it because the Prince of Peace showed up in my room and gave it to me. Some people need to hear my story, but some people need to hear your story. They needed to hear, despite their response, these people needed to hear Paul's testimony, and he shared it. He goes on to say, verse 10, so I asked, what should I do, Lord? The Lord said to me, get up and go to Damascus. There you will be told about everything that you have been uh, designated to do or destined to do. Verse 11, since I could not see because of the brilliance of that light, I came to Damascus led by the hand of those who were with me. A man named Ananias, a devout man, according to the law. See, Paul is going to work that in there. He's going to let these guys know, his audience know, this guy was devout according to the law. Well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there came to me and stood beside me and said to me, and this is our first instance of understanding what he, the conversation between these two, 
Because we know that, we know the first part from earlier on in the book of Acts, but there's more that's recorded here. Ananias comes and says, Brother Saul, regain your sight or receive your sight. And at that very moment, I looked up and saw him. Then he said, the God of our ancestors has already chosen you. To what? Here's three things. To know his will. To see the righteous one. And to hear a command from his mouth, because you will be his witness to all people. There's, there's emphasis there as Paul is communicating to this crowd. I'm supposed to be a witness to all people. See, in their definition, as far as their understanding goes, all people meant all Jews. Because Paul's about to lose their attention real quick. So they're, they're, they would interpret this as like, yeah, all of our people. Paul's like, no, 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 no. All people. Wait, even those people? Yeah, even those people. I'm, God is going to, he has set me aside. He has chosen me to, number one, to know his will. That's a cool thing. I actually wrote on the side of my Bible, know, see, and hear. Do you know that you can know God's will? You, you actually can. In fact, that, going back to that reading the Bible thing, that's, that's really where it helps you out. There are plenty of aspects of God's will that he has made very clear to each and every one of us. But you might be wrestling with this, like, I, what's his will for me? What's his intent for me? What's his plan for me? What's his purpose for me? What's his will for me? You spend enough time with him, he will let you know. God is not up in heaven sitting there with, you know, like a secret that he just doesn't want to reveal to you, okay? And he's trying to hide it from you. The more you ask, the more he's like, no, no, I'm just going to keep this to myself. He wants you to understand why you're here. He wants you specifically to know and to understand why he has saved you and why he has you where you're at today with whatever's going on in your life. He wants you to know that. Here's the frustrating part. He doesn't just come out and say it sometimes. Sometimes he does. But I trust that God knows us better than we know ourselves. And sometimes it takes a slow trickle instead of a fire hose blast onto you of his, his will for your life, right? That's what we want. Just tell me. Just make it clear. I just want to know what it is. He's like, well, just sit at my feet. Just hang out with me. I'll, I'll make it clear over time, but just hang out with me. Because maybe you're not ready to know right now. Maybe he wants to do some work on you to get you prepared for that. For the Apostle Paul, it was at this moment within his life, and Ananias, it took another believer coming to Paul and says, hey, Paul, God, and if you don't remember that story at all, God showed up in Ananias, and he's like, look, there's this guy, his name's Saul. He's in your town right now. And Ananias is like, yeah, I know about that guy. And God's like, yeah, I need you to go talk to him. He's like, uh-uh, <laughs> no, no, wait, Lord, do you know who he is? Do you know his story? And God's like, of course I know his story. He's, he's, on the, he's on the right team now. I need you to go lay hands on him. I need you to pray for him. It was a step of faith for Ananias to go and to meet with Saul, the one who was coming for Ananias, to arrest Ananias and to drag him back to Jerusalem. Never miss that point. Paul, Saul, 
was coming for Ananias. God intervened, and God sent Ananias to go and find Paul. Isn't it amazing how God works? The enemy, quote-unquote, we know, I'm not talking about the enemy as in Satan, but what we deem as, you know, Paul here, Saul would have been like the enemy to the church. He's on a mission, and he's going to, you know, destruction, all this stuff, and the Lord's just like, yeah, this is cute, you know, that you guys think you're in charge, and you're in control, and he's like, just wait until the story plays out. Just wait, because I'm going to turn the tables on all of you. You think you're going after them when, in fact, they're actually coming after you. Just wait. Just see. It's amazing how God just, he can just do whatever he wants to do, and, and he turns these, these just brilliant stories on their head, and you're like, wait a minute. Saul was going to arrest Ananias, meets Jesus, and now, and then God sends Ananias on the mission to go and arrest Paul, so to speak. It's funny how God works. But he shows up, puts his hand on him. Paul can see again, and then Ananias has a word from God for Paul. He's chosen you. Can I tell you guys this? He has chosen you. He has chosen you. He picked you. He picked you long ago. Long, long before you could ever even take credit for picking him, he already picked you. He already picked you. Before the foundations of the world, he picked you. You should be comforted by that because you know your story. Because you know your story. I wouldn't have picked me, but he did. You may be thinking, if you're watching online or, or sitting in here or you're going to listen to this on the radio one day, you might be thinking, thinking, there's no way God wants me. And I would say, he just may have picked you from the very beginning. And he's just waiting for you to catch up and to surrender and to receive the simple fact that he chose you from long ago. He's already chosen you. He wants you to know his will, to know his will, to see the righteous one. Who's the righteous one? That's Jesus. He wants you to see his son and to hear a command from his mouth. God still speaks to us. And I would hope and I would pray that you hear his voice even today. This mission that he has the Apostle Paul on is the same one that he put all of his disciples on at the end of Matthew, Matthew 28. Go into all the world and make disciples. That's the great commission. It's the same thing for the Apostle Paul. That's where he says, because you will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now that you are, now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, have your sins washed away, calling on the name of the Lord. Now, this is a, this is a, a strange verse because people like to take this and think like baptism equals salvation. Baptism doesn't equal salvation, okay? Let me tell you that. Um, that's not scriptural, okay? Should you be baptized? Yes. Absolutely, yes, be baptized. Why? Because it's a public proclamation that, you are, that, that the old you has been buried, the new you has been raised to life, and you are a follower of Jesus Christ. That's why we get baptized. It, it doesn't cover your sins. Only the blood of Christ covers your sins. And you only have that by surrendering your life to Jesus. It's that simple. It is that simple. Sometimes the way that we structure some of these sentences, it's not, it doesn't help that. This sentence technically should be get up and get baptized and then have your sins 
washed away by calling on his name, basically. It's calling on his name. It's receiving that free gift of salvation. That's what cleanses us from our sins. So Ananias is like, Paul, get up, dude. It's time to get baptized. You call on the name of the Lord, man. He's going to clean you up. And it's time to get on because he's already called you onto the mission field. That's another beautiful thing about the Lord. He knows, he knows who, what he's getting, and he already has a plan in place for your life even before you surrender to him. He's not waiting for you to like sign a contract with him and then he can evaluate your skills and say like, okay, so where can I use so-and-so today? He already has a plan for you from long ago before you were even born. He's just waiting for us to catch up and to actually surrender because that's the key. Don't think that everyone gets saved because they don't. They don't. Every knee must bow. Every tongue must confess. And you have to do that here and now on this planet. I know that there's this thought that's out there and it's, it, it's kind of, it's, it kind of has its ebbs and flows throughout time. And a few years ago, it was pretty, it was on a, on a peak where we want to do away with the concept of hell, right? And well, is Jesus really even talking about hell and all that stuff? I'm like, well, he talked more about that than anything else. I mean, come on, I don't know. But is there really a separate, eternal separation from God forever, for all eternity? Yeah, there is. There is. And it's a sad reality. And it's even sadder when you realize how many opportunities people reject and deny Jesus and basically step over the body of Christ to get to that place. Because the Lord, he's not to blame for hell. He's not. He's provided so many ways, so many opportunities for people to receive this free gift of salvation. That's what it is. But there, there are some, there have been some, and there always will be some who just flat out reject it and flat out just, they don't want anything to do with him. And we talked about this before, especially, you know, having gone through Revelation. There is a cup of wrath that has to be consumed. Either you drink it or you or you align yourself with the one who has already drank it for you, and his name is Jesus. But if you don't want his, then it's left for you to drink. And that'll be all eternity. I would rather take what Jesus has already done for me. He already took drink of that cup of wrath and suffering for me and all my sins. I'll take that. I'll take that any day. Paul's got a mission, he's got a calling, get up, get baptized, let's get moving, let's get going. And I would say the same thing to the church in 2021, let's get going. What are we waiting for? The world's ending. Well, of course it is. Get busy. Like, tell people about Jesus. Like, now's the time. But our government, who cares? Who cares? Let them make it harder. Fine. We still have a job to do. If you don't like it, talk to our brothers and sisters in Iran. Talk to our brothers and sisters in China. Talk to our brothers and sisters in a lot of these Muslim-controlled countries where to do this is highly illegal. And here we are in America, and we're just sitting on our hands. You know, it's like, no, no, no. Get to work. 
Go, you have the chance, we have the freedom. They haven't taken that away yet, and if they do, then so be it. So be it. We're all part of a great commission. Go and tell people about Jesus. Go make some disciples. Make some disciples. That's what Paul was going to do, man. He was like, gung-ho, like, I'm on it. You know, and he's like, there's, there's no stopping me now. Like, he's like, I'm, I'm just going until the very end. The very end for him was they were going to remove his head from his body. And he knew that. He's like, I don't care what happens to me. I'm going to go for Jesus. He goes on to say, when I returned to Jerusalem, this is his first, you know, coming back to Jerusalem after salvation, and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance. What does that mean? I don't know. I, I have no idea. Maybe he's like a, kind of like a vision type of thing. Could be. I don't know. Um, have I fallen into trances? I spent most of my high school years in a trance, um, but it wasn't like a spiritual thing or a godly thing. Um, it just wasn't. It was more of just like, why am I here? Why am I locked in this building? Like, how did I end up in jail, right? Because that's what school was like for me. Um, you may love school. Hey, praise God for you. Um, I'm an outdoorsy type person. I cannot learn in a classroom, okay? Um, so I just zoned out for most of my high school and probably junior high experience, okay? Paul falls into a trance. He's praying. He's got like, yeah, this is a spiritual thing. Um, he says, and I saw the Lord saying to me, hurry and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. I replied, Lord, they themselves know that I am in prison and, be, and I in prison, sorry, and beat those in the various synagogues who believed in you. And when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was shed, I myself was standing nearby approving, or you might be able to change that word to applauding, maybe, approving and guarding the cloaks of those who were killing him who were actively murdering Stephen, the Apostle Paul is standing right there holding their jackets, looking on as they're hurling stones on this innocent man who's just standing there looking up to heaven and says, I see the sun. I see Jesus sitting at uh, the right hand of the Father. And he looked like an angel. Paul was right there. He was applauding it. If he wasn't holding the coats, then he was handing them rocks to throw at them. Then Jesus says to Paul in this, this trance, this vision that he's having, then he said to me, go, because I will send you far away to the Gentiles. That's where he loses them. Because they're hanging on every word up until this point. They're like, oh my goodness, that's right. Yeah, no, we've heard, we know who you are, Saul. We heard the stories. There was none more passionate. There was none more zealous than you. We've all heard the stories. What happened to Saul? Whatever happened to Saul? You remember that guy who's kicking down all those church doors and dragging out those men and women? He was beating them and throwing them in jail. Whatever happened to that guy? Paul's like, well, I'm that guy, but I'm not that guy. And here's why I'm not that guy anymore. It's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. And then when I showed up back in town, the first thing you guys were trying to do to me was kill me. You wanted me dead because I'm not Saul anymore, because I'm Paul. 
even from day one. They wanted him dead. It's no coincidence that a group of Jews were following him around on each and every missionary journey, stopping off in every town that Paul went to to cause trouble and to stir up all this nonsense because they were making sure that all the other Jews knew that Paul is a deceiver, he's a liar, and he's, he's teaching you false things. He's teaching you to, to hate the law and to hate Moses. From day one, they were gunning for Paul. Jesus communicated to Paul, and this is Paul sharing. He's like, look, man, I showed up back in Jerusalem after this moment, and you guys wanted me dead, and I had to flee. But I was fleeing you because God had a bigger plan in my life. Paul wasn't called to the Jews. He was called to the Gentiles. Peter was called to the Jews. Paul wanted that, but that's not what God wanted for him. Paul wanted to be the missionary for the Jews, but that's not God's plan for his life. Good, good advice for us. There may be some things that you want. I want to be the one to go to that person. I want to be the one used by God to reach those people. And God may be saying, yeah, but that's not my plan. That's not my plan. Here's what's amazing about that. Just because it may not be his plan for you doesn't mean he doesn't have a plan. Because see, Paul wanted to go to the Jews, and God's like, I don't want you to go to the Jews. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care about the Jews, but it's that God already had a plan, and he had Peter, that he was going to send Peter to the Jews. And then Paul was going to be used to reach these other guys. So don't be discouraged. If you got like this passion and I want to I go for these people and, and all this stuff and it's just not working out, not working out, maybe God doesn't want to use you there. Maybe he already has somebody else lined up and you're just in the way. So maybe you need to move on and figure out who it is that the Lord is sending you to go and minister to. So that the other person he's already raised up and established can step in and minister to those people that you care so dearly about. Sometimes the biggest obstacles in this Christian life are ourselves. Here's Paul, tremendous heart for the Jews. I'll, I'll always reference um, the end of Romans where Paul's like, look, if I could trade in my salvation for you guys, then I would do that. If I could go to hell so that you could go to heaven, I would do that. I... Man, <laughs> that's like, whoa, I, I, don't, I, I just don't know if I could say that. No, in fact, let me be honest. I couldn't say that. There's no way. There's no way. And let's, this chapter alone just magnifies who Paul was talking about when he made that statement. These are the same guys who are now on the, not even the second occasion, but after multiple attempts to kill him, he still makes this great proclamation of like, look, if I could trade places with you guys, I would. Paul, these dudes have tried to kill you your whole Christian life. He's like, I know, but I love them so much. I care about them. I'm like, you? It's like, man, here's the Apostle Paul, and here's James Grizzle is like dirt, man, when it comes to that type of stuff. I'm just like, ah, oh, what a heart, man. But I want that heart. Because you know what that heart represents? It represents the love of God, the agape love of God. And it truly is what we all should demonstrate within our lives. Agape, it's just a, it's a Greek word for love that means self-sacrificing love. 
putting others before yourself. It's a simple, it's a beautiful word. Paul lived it. My prayer for myself is that I would just, I would live that. Because I want to be like Paul on that same level where I'd be like, man, Lord, my heart breaks. My heart breaks for these people. This sets off a riot, and this last little part just reads pretty quickly. It says this, the, the crowd was listening to him until he said this, right? The Gentiles, you lost them at Gentiles, because according to the Jews, the Gentiles were not on the same level. They basically, I mean, you got the Jews chosen by God, the Gentiles kind of on the same level as dogs, okay? Now, you may elevate dogs up here, but I'm just, in a worldly sense, like, like Gentiles are just, they're not on the same level. They're not, they're... What, what was somebody's thought was um, common saying back then was that uh, Gentiles were, were basically around to fuel the, the fires of hell. That's all they're good for. You know, that was kind of the, the prevailing thought back then. So sad. It's, it's crazy. But this is, you know why they, they all, he lost them at that, that statement. It says, then they raised their voices and shouted, away with this man from the earth, <laughs> not just from our sight, but kill this guy. For he should not be allowed to live, verse 23, while they were screaming and throwing off their cloaks and tossing dust in the air. The commanding officer ordered Paul to be brought back into the barracks. He told them, his other soldiers, he told them to interrogate Paul by how? By beating him, okay? We'll get an answer out of this guy. Beating him with a lash so he could find out the reason the crowd was shouting at Paul in this way. Because remember, he doesn't speak Aramaic, so he doesn't know what's going on. It says, when they stretched him out for the lash, that's where they would, they would stretch him out over like a stump, you know, kind of like they did with Jesus. They would stretch him out, fully exposing their back, and so that when they beat them, the skin would tear a little easier because you're stretched out, okay? So they're stretching this dude out, the Apostle Paul, getting ready to, you know, they're cracking the whip and doing all that good stuff. Um, Paul said to the centurion standing by, he's like, hey, um, one quick question. Um, before you go to town on me, um, is this legal? Is it legal for you to lash a man who is a Roman citizen without a proper trial? See, Paul knows the law, and Paul's like, actually, I, it's a rhetorical question, because the answer is, no, it's not legal. Paul knew his rights as a Roman citizen, and those are rights given to all Roman citizens, whether you're born whether you bought it, it doesn't matter. You're a Roman citizen, you have certain rights and you have the right to call upon those rights at the right time. He's like, you're about to strip the flesh off my back. Oh, excuse me, but I'm a Roman citizen. Is this right for you guys to do this? Well, don't answer because I know it's not. This guy freaks out, right? The centurion who heard this, verse 26, um, he went to the commanding officer and reported it saying, what are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the commanding officer came and asked Paul, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? He answered, or he replied, yes. The commanding officer answered, I acquired the citizenship with a large sum of money because it did cost quite a bit to become a citizen there. Paul says, but I was even born a citizen. He's like, oh, I got one up on you, buddy. It's in my blood. I was born a citizen. You may have bought yours, that's cute, that's cool, that's fine. I was born a Roman citizen. And then the stomach of that dude just drops, 
right? He's just like, ooh, <laughs> this is not good for my, uh, this is not good for my job, uh, my future here. He says, I was born a citizen, verse 29. Then those who were about to interrogate him stayed away from him, and the commanding officer was frightened when he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had tied him up. Why? Because he would lose his job. If you un, uh, unjustly or illegally beat a Roman citizen with no proper trial, then you're, you get punished for it. Your punishment could be losing your job. Your punishment could be receiving the punishment that you dished out. Or your punishment could be your life. So just to read into this last little section here, 30. The next day, so they're like, okay, we need to, I need to think, right? This is what this guy says. Um, because the commanding officer wanted to know the, the true reason Paul was being accused by the Jews, he released him and ordered the chief priests and the whole council to assemble. Then he, prop, he brought Paul down and had sat him before them. So we're not going to get into 23, obviously, but here's the scenario. The Roman centurion doesn't know who he's dealing with, ties him up, all this good stuff, delegates it out to these other guys to beat him, to get an answer out of him, find out he's a Roman citizen. You can't legally do this to me. I know my rights. And so then there's the Roman centurion, the commanding officer has to, now he has to figure out like, okay, um, this isn't good. Because even to tie up a Roman citizen, that's an illegal act if, if, there's, if there hasn't been a trial. To even to tie him up in this position, he's already crossed the line. He's already crossed the line. But here's Paul, who's like, man, I got that Roman citizen card. What did I do with that? Oh, here it is, boom, and he just drops it. He's like, Roman citizen, I know my rights. You can't do this. And he was well within his rights to play that card. Hey, if you've been given certain rights, which you have, it is well within your right to, to use that, to absolutely use that. Until they take them away, use them. Until they take them away, use them. You have the right. You have the right to worship however you want to worship. You have the right to own a gun. <gasps> yeah, it's Texas. We're like, oh, yeah, we all have guns. Um, not on me. Um, you have the right. Know your rights. Here's the problem. Too many people don't know what the rights are. Know your rights. Praise God that Paul had a good understanding of what his rights were, and he could vocalize those at the right time. Familiarize yourself with where you live and know what rights have been freely given to you and know when to stand for those things. Pick your battles, though. Pick your battles, okay? But you have the right to worship, so worship. So worship. Do it safely. Do it smartly. We talk about this all the time. You're probably getting sick of me saying it. That's cool. That's fine. But you have certain rights that have been given to you that people died for. Respect that, honor that, know your rights though. And when, it, when they're laying you out, getting ready to beat you down, know when the right time to play that card is and be like, um, excuse me, uh, you can't do this to me because it's written in this little piece of paper right over here that we've long forgotten. So 
just a side note there. I don't want to go too much into that, obviously, because our time's out. But, um, but just know, just, just be aware. Be aware. And feel free to stand up for what the things that you have the right to stand up for. I love the, Paul, the Apostle Paul because he's just like, he's done that multiple times throughout the book of Acts. He knows how to play the card at the right time. Now, you also can know if you go through his life, he's not dropping it everywhere he goes. So calm down, okay? Calm down. He's not, he's not you know, promoting it everywhere he goes. On. It's just when, he, when it's necessary. It's when it's necessary. His goal was he was going to stay focused on the righteous one. He, he, he knew, he understood, he comprehended what God's will was for his life. He was going to stay focused on the Lord, and he heard the command from God, and he went on that mission, and he was going to utilize whatever God had blessed him with, whatever rights God had blessed him with, because he had no control over that, and he was going to use those at the right appropriate time in order to gain more audiences, because this little incident is going to gain him another audience, and then that's going to go away, and then he's going to get another audience, and then that's going to develop into a bigger audience. Paul just is like, I'm focused on the Lord, I'm on a mission, and I'm going to cross that finish line, period. And I'll use whatever I have to to get there. It's the same for you and I today. Be smart, wise as serpents, gentle as doves, but just stay focused on Jesus. Stay focused on him. Don't get sideways on me. Do not get sideways on me. Stay focused on Jesus and run your race. Run your race. So let's pray. Because, look, last week I ended early, okay? So I apologize. But you know how it is with me. I may give some and take some. I don't know. I'm just kidding. My goal is to end earlier, but whatever. Um, it's my birthday. My, your gift to me was five extra minutes. So there you go. <laughs> Stop it. All right. Let's pray. <laughs> let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for so much for this day. I thank you so much, Lord, for the, the example and the witness of the Apostle Paul. Lord, and we know it's, um, he was just focused on the mission that you had laid out in front of him. It, it wasn't about, it wasn't, it was never about his Roman citizenship, Lord. It was about his citizenship in heaven. That's what motivated him. Lord, it was that moment, the realization that, number one, he was going to see you again. He may have been blinded by the light on the road to Damascus, Lord, but he was going to see you again. And Lord, he was, he was determined to share your gospel with anyone and everyone, to take as many with them on this journey so that they could see you, Lord. And I pray that that's what our heart is. I pray that that's what our motivation is. Lord, regardless of whatever the circumstances is that we find ourselves um, nationally and all that stuff, Lord, I pray that as believers, we would stay focused on you, Jesus, running this race and sharing this beautiful gospel message, which includes our testimony to as many people as, as you bring us to, Lord, because we want them to know you. We want them to see you. So help us to stay focused, Lord. Even when the days grow darker and rights are taken away and all that stuff, Lord, may we be so focused on you that we just keep on running. We will cross that line, Lord. We will cross that finish line. Help us, Jesus, just to hold on tight to you. 
because I, I can speak for myself, Lord. I can't do it on my own. I, I cannot do it on my own. I need you every single day, every single step of the way, Lord. And I know that's true for all of us in this room, Lord. So I thank you for the ones that are here that, that we can encourage each other as we see your day drawing near. And Lord, I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you dwell inside of us. And the same spirit that raised him from the dead lives in us. And so we have all that we, have all that we need to finish well. So help us, Lord Jesus, to finish well. We just thank you, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins and thank you for raising from the grave. Thank you for picking us. Man, thank you for choosing us. Regardless of our past, regardless of all that stuff, Lord, the mistakes and thank you so much for choosing us, Lord. We truly are unworthy of it, but man, thank you, Jesus, so much. May we celebrate that fact for the rest of this day. And we just pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.